just that everybody knows um, when people say soy sauce, they're not just randomly saying soy sauce because they like it. My nickname is soy sauce. That's what people know me by. So if you are visiting, you can call me soy sauce. Uh, so I am Aaron Domingo. And um, so the last time I was up here, uh, I was single. And so uh, now I'm married. And uh, here's a picture of me and my beautiful bride. Yeah. And so, uh, so we'll see if uh, being married helps my preaching. I guess we'll find out, right? Um, and so uh, we've been loving life, to, uh, doing life together. Uh, we're going to be coming up in our first year anniversary in August. So uh, it's been an awesome ride already. And I'm looking forward to many, many more years with my beautiful bride. Um, just FYI, uh, I am not a minister. Uh, I'm not a pastor or a, pre- a preacher or father or whatever, all that, you know, all that different stuff. Um, I'm just a brother, right, uh, that loves God and, and that struggles to be righteous just like every one of you. Amen. And, um, and so um, I, do, I am definitely excited to be able to preach God's word today and continue with our, our series. And so if you are uh, joining us today, we've been doing a summer series uh, class called Walk by Faith, where we've been looking at the different heroes in Hebrews 11. And I want you to turn your Bibles over with me to Hebrews 11. If you don't have a Bible, you can actually look up here. And this has kind of been our, our theme. This has kind of been, uh, kind of been our theme of, of, the, of the series. And the theme, really, of the chapter. You guys can read this with me. Let's read it actually all together. Ready? Now, faith is confidence for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence and assurance. They're one and the same. Right? That means there's no uncertainty. You're certain. You're sure. You have no doubt in your mind. And what do we, what we don't see? What is that? that? That's God, right? We don't see God, but we're certain. We're confident. We're sure that God has our back, that He's trustworthy, that He keeps His promises, that He's going to deliver. The title of the lesson today is Confidence and Assurance. Now, I feel really excited to continue our series. Uh, you know, we talked about different um, heroes already. I know Jake and Scott have been doing such an amazing job, right? And, and helping inspire us and our faith with these different heroes in the Bible. And so we've, listened, we've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Noah, Jacob, and Joseph. But part of my excitement is that I get to talk about an incredible, amazing man of faith in the Bible. Right? Moses. Moses. I mean, you look at that picture and just, Wow. If you were there and you saw that, the ocean just splitting up, right? Moses is awesome. You know, when I think about Moses, the first thing I think about, Moses is the goat. Now, if you don't know what goat means, that means you're not really in the sports, right? But it means greatest of all time. And this is the most talked about debate on sports shows today. Who is the goat in these sports, right? I want you guys to kind of play with me real quick. Who's the goat? Jordan or, or, or LeBron? Jordan. Jordan, right? Who's the GOAT? Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo. Ronaldo. I'm not, I don't really watch that much soccer. I definitely watch the World Cup, but I hear that Messi is the GOAT. Tom Brady or Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. That's an easy one, right? Very good point. Ollie or Pacquiao? Pacquiao. <laughs> Let's just change that. We don't got to talk about it. It's all good. These are basketball coaches. This is uh, Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich. Pop. Ooh. I heard Pop. I heard Greg Pop. Or I heard Pop. I heard 
uh, Phil Jackson, but Phil Jackson got 10 titles, so yeah. that's pretty cl- Well, it's not really close, so. <laughs> but anyways, when, when you hear about this GOAT conversation, right, you, you hear kind of the sports analysts talk about the, the body of work, what makes them the GOAT, right? So when I think about Moses, the different things that came to mind, and this is just stuff that came to mind, right? Moses' career stats, burning bush, he split the Red Sea, the deliverer of the Israelites, the Ten Commandments, Water from the rock. He kept his hands up to win the war. Right? Speaks with God. He was at the transfiguration. Multiple MVP awards. I just put that because in ancient Egypt they did rowing and archery. I'm sure he won some of those too. Right? It's Moses. He's the goat. You know, God used him more than any, or used him to do more miracles than anyone in the Bible aside from Jesus. You know, so we can do a whole series on Moses. If we wanted to, right? But in Hebrews 11, there's some different characteristics that he points out. We're going to focus just on two for time's sake. Let's go to, um, sorry, getting ahead. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 11, 24. And we'll start there. It says, By faith, right, confidence and assurance. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. The fact that Moses grew up as Pharaoh's daughter's son tells us a lot about how Moses grew up. That means he wore the best clothing, he ate choice food, right? He had access to everything that he ever wanted. He lived in luxury. But the verse says that instead of choosing Egypt or the world, he chose to identify with God. First point is confidence and assurance and identity. Yeah, this wasn't an easy decision for anyone to make because Moses, it says in the verse, he treats, he treats, I'm sorry, can we, oh, there you go. He chooses mistreatment over mistreatment over pleasure. And we can relate to this, right? Because our world is is catered towards us receiving pleasure, right? We want comfort. We want the things that our flesh desires. I mean, with our phones, we can get virtually access to anything. Anything our eyes want to see, it's on our phone. If we want to buy something really, really quick, like Amazon, that buy one click now or whatever it's called, you one click and it has all your information. It's sending, they, they send you your product. Or you get food, you can get groceries, you get Starbucks. That's important. You get Starbucks with one click. The world is designed to give you what you desire. It gives us pleasure faster than any time in history. But the reason why Moses is commended for his faith is because he didn't choose the pleasures, right? He chose to identify with God. And I know for me, um, I know I'm surrounded by these different things, but I know where I struggle with with my identity is I can, is I can identify with the world, my accomplishments, my, um, you know, how much money I make, what kind of house I live in, what kind of car I drive. These are the different things that I can identify with. How I look, how I perform in sports or pickleball or basketball. And now the dangerous thing about that, though, is when you get your identity in those things, when you're not being successful in those things, then you feel like a failure. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that at times. 
I can feel like a failure when I'm trying to measure up to other people or the world's standards. Right? And sometimes I won't even try something because I know I'm going to fail. Or sadly, I won't try to go out on faith because I won't follow through and I don't want to disappoint God. Right? Failure has a lot to do with our self-image. I have the tendency to look at all my shortcomings before anything else. Even before what God says about me. I start listening to Satan. I start listening to all the people in my past that have told me that I'm not good enough, that I'm too short, that I'm too lazy, that I'm not smart enough, I'm too this, I'm too that. And here's the thing, what's crazy is, you know, when you're told something for so long, even if it's a lie, it starts to become truth if you listen to it. I want to show you guys a, a video that I came across that kind of shows what happens when we listen to lies. I'm a forensic artist, worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, Hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create, and that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... She looks closed off and fatter, sadder too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices in the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. You know, I know that second drawing was based on a stranger's perspective, but, but that first drawing, right, that's how we see ourselves at times. Because yeah. we listen to the lies that Satan tells us, or what people have told us, how we don't measure up. Morning. You know, what picture would you say how God sees you? That's important. 
Kind of like what Florence, uh, the lady with the long blonde hair, you know, she said, the way we see ourselves makes a huge impact in the way we live. That's definitely true how we look at ourselves spiritually. It affects our faith. It affects the different things that we're willing to try. The, th- the different things that we're willing to pray for. And when we identify with our shortcomings and failures, it becomes difficult to even attempt great things for God. But when we have confidence and assurance, man, God can do miracles. Here's another definition, and we've heard a lot of definitions already in the series, but I like this one. It says, faith is expecting great things from God and attempting great things for God. That's what faith is. And when you can identify with God... You'll believe that. Have confidence and assurance of who you are. I just had a list of different things, uh, different scriptures of how God sees us. Genesis 1:27, you're created in God's image. Psalms 139:14, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Zephaniah 3:17, God takes great delight in you. He sings over you with singing. Romans 8.17, you're a co-heir with Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.2, 1, 2, 1, 2, you're sanctified in Christ. It means you're made holy, made to be like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30, you're righteous and holy in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.19, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you're bought at a price. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.21, receive, you receive God's righteousness. Ephesians 1.3, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.4, you're holy and blameless. Ephesians 1.5, you're adopted as God's children. Ephesians 1.6, you're redempt, you have redemption in Christ's blood. Ephesians 1.7, you're lavished, you're covered. You're surrounded by His grace. Ephesians 1.13, you're marked in Him with the seal. Ephesians 1.14, you're God's possession. Ephesians 2.6, you're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. Ephesians 2.10, you're God's work of art. Ephesians 5.29, you're a member of Christ's body. Colossians 2.11, you're made complete in Christ. 2 Timothy 2.10, you have eternal glory. I can keep going, right? You're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a friend of God, you're, you have spirit, or you have a spirit of power, love, self-discipline. You're more than a conqueror, you're holy and beloved, you're salt of the earth, you're light of the world. You shine like the stars, you're children of the light. You produce fruit. That's the picture that God sees you as. God sees us as amazing. We're we're dearly loved. We're children. But we struggle with this. Even it's it's right there. We're listening to this. Even our hero in the faith, Moses, had trouble at times with with who he was in God. Let's go to Exodus 4. This is after the burning bush. After he had... An encounter with God. God told him, I want you to lead the people out of Egypt. Exodus 4, verse 10. This is Moses' interaction. He says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you, help you speak and will teach you what to say. We see Moses says, I'm not, I, I can't do it, I'm slow of speech. 
And what he's really saying, he's saying, I'm not adequate. I'm not worthy. Please send somebody else. He's reverting back to what he's always been and how he saw himself as a kid or growing up. And I love God's response. God responds, he responds with his word, right? He says, man, who gives man his tongue? Who gives him his speech? Who gives him his sight? Who made you? I made you. I am sending you. We need to identify with God. We have to be confident and have assurance that God is with us. You know, when we choose to base our worth solely on God and being a child of God and being chosen by God, we live our lives caring about what God cares about. Right? We desire what God desires. God's purpose becomes our purpose. When we identify with God, our lives are completely surrendered to what God says. The other thing, the second thing that we're going to talk about in Hebrews is confidence and assurance in the reward. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Starting in verse 26. It says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses longed to receive the reward of his faith. He was fixing his eyes at the end of the race. You know when you look forward to something, you tend to think about it a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, um, so the past about 15 months, I've been in this program. I'm getting my master's in credential to teach. And um, there's times where I'm doing these assignments, and I'm like wanting just to pull out the hair that I don't have and gouge out my eyes. And there's even like assignments where... It has nothing to do with what I want to teach. I'm like, why am I doing this? But what keeps me going is I'm looking forward to the end. Right? I'm looking forward to that day where I'm going to get that piece of paper that's worth thousands of dollars. I can see myself wearing the funky hat and the gown. I can see that little sash thing that I get to wear backwards this time. Right? I know what the socks I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear these socks. Right here. I've seen it. I think about it all the time. And when I'm going through a certain assignment that I hate... I'm thinking that it's one step closer to the end. Amen. I'm going to get there. I think about it a lot. You know, we're talking about the spiritually. That's how we need to see heaven. That's how we need to see our lives. I know we go through challenges. I know we go through hard times, right? But it's one step closer to heaven. It's a process. You know, do you look forward to going to heaven? Because when we see the end, it gives us perspective, right? Yeah. Like we know, like when we see a movie, we, we watch a movie that we know what's going to happen. We don't freak out in the middle. Oh, he's going to die. I can't look. Right? No, we know what's going to happen. Spiritually speaking, we know that God's going to come through. That God is ultimately going to, we can place our faith in him. We can see the end. It's clear. Turn over to 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4 6. Paul confirms this perspective when it comes to looking towards the end. Love this verse. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. 
says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Wow, what an amazing thing to be able to say at the end of your life, right? Well, I've achieved this crown. I've got it. It's there. I see it. And you think about Paul's life and the kind of challenges that he's been through, right? Kind of puts ours to shame. He's been in prison. He's been flogged. He's constantly on the move. His life is in danger all the time. But he's focused on the end. He's focused on the reward, just like Moses. Yeah, all those things happen to me, but, but man, I get, to, I get to go to heaven. It's there. I can see it. I'm almost there. You can hear the anticipation in his voice. He has confidence. He has assurance. And you got to love verse 8. It says, not, uh, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. All right, what's so, what's so cool is that we're included in that. Yeah. Right? That's, that's our same reward. How often do you think about heaven? What it's going to feel like? What it's going to be like to, just, to see and be in the presence of God? How often do we imagine earning our reward from God? You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says that he sees heaven. And, and when, when someone says, I saw heaven, you want to know what they, they saw, right? It's like, okay, tell us. But Paul can't tell him. He says, it's indescribable. I'm unpermitted to tell you what I saw. It's too amazing. I can't tell you. Can you imagine just the roof coming off and just seeing a glimpse of heaven right now? If you had 30 seconds just to see heaven, while well, Paul says that if you saw it, you couldn't tell anybody. That's how amazing it is. It's so indescribable. How would that change your life? How would that change your faith? How would that change your urgency and longing to be with Christ? How many things would actually matter to you, right? I bet we wouldn't cling to as much here on this earth. Here's the thing about life. Jobs come and go. Money leaves as fast as you get it. People move. Relationships change. You do well in some things and you fail at other things. That's life. That's the process. But Paul is saying, man, I'm going to get to go to heaven. Moses is looking forward to his reward. Do we live life like that? Yeah, just to be open, like, I mean, I've been a disciple for 10 years, and that's relatively long or short, depending on who you ask, right? <laughs> but I feel like, I mean, 10 years is kind of, quite a bit, it's okay, right? And you may, be, you may be able to relate to this, but, you know, the older I've gotten as a disciple, the more challenging it has become to be radical. The more I've been a disciple, the longer I've been a disciple, the harder it has become to be bold. The longer I've been around, giving up things has become way harder, not easier. And I'm including myself in this. And I've thought this, and I feel like I've said it before, but we kind of have this church, uh, culture in our church where it's like, man, if you're a young disciple, or if you're a teen, or you're in campus, man, go and be bold. Go be radical. Go change the world. Go make an impact. Live by faith and not by sight. But I think about that, I'm like, man, I've been a disciple for 10 years. I'm the one that needs to be more bold. I'm the one that needs to be more radical. 
I'm 10 years older than I was when I was, when I was or I'm nine years older than I was when I was a one-year-old disciple. I've had more quiet times now. I've had more prayers. I've seen God work. I've seen miracles in my life and your life. I know more about God now than when I was one-year-old spiritually. So I should be more urgent. We should be leading the way, right? And when you can see your reward, when you think about it, that's how you live. But when you're not thinking about it, and you tell other people. I know that's for me. Man, the longer I'm a disciple, the more faithful I need to be. The longer I'm around, the more urgent I should be to see God. The longer I'm around, the more an example I should be. The more inspiring my walk should be. Go over to Philippians 1.23. Love this attitude. This is the heart that I desire to have. Actually, we're going to start in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul talks about how it would be better by far leaving and going to heaven. Right? He's not there yet. And he says that when he's still here, he's going he's gonna to have fruitful labor. Right? So we're not in, in heaven yet, but we should want and desire to make an impact and live that way. Yeah. We, we see the end in mind. We know it's going to be better by far, but while I'm still here, I should have fruitful labor. I should labor for God. Love up on people. Give. Sacrifice. Be bold for Christ. You know, if you had the opportunity to, to go to heaven now, would you? Oh, that's an interesting question, right? Leave your job. Yeah, right? I'm sure every, a lot of us. But leave your spouse. Leave your kids. There you go. Forgive watching your kids grow up. Maybe your grandchildren. Man, that's, that's tough to wrestle with, right? But to Moses and Paul, it meant everything. That's what Moses was remembered for in the book of Hebrews. During Moses' life, God used him, powerful way, and used him in powerful ways. He was bold. He was humble. He was wise. He was obedient. He was a leader. He was also human. He made mistakes. He wrestled with God. And it was when his life was reflected upon, he's remembered for his faith, his choice to identify with God, and how he longed for his reward. My hope and prayer is that Moses' faith gives us confidence and assurance that we can identify with God over everything else. That we have confidence and assurance in looking forward to our reward. And that it dictates how we live. Let's have confidence, let's have assurance, let's live for God. Thank you.